Just a quick reminder before we get into today's show, you can call or text us at 570-POD-WAD-1. That's 570-763-9231 with your ideas for icebreakers, topics, or just general feedback. We'll probably use it in the show, and you'll save us some creative energy, which we greatly appreciate. Find out everything about the show at yallheard.me. Now, on to the episode. Y'all heard? Three, two, one. Hey, everybody. everybody. This is Y'all Heard. heard. A podcast where me, Marissa Phillips. And me, Pete Phillips. Are not related for another week. Yes. I think last week we were not not related, but we still weren't related. (laughs) I don't know what that means. Uh, Yeah, this is a show where on a weekly basis we get together and we tell you some stuff that we learned about. Depending on our particular state during a particular episode, sometimes it might be long and sometimes it might be short. I'm pretty sure this week you're going to get a bit of a shorter episode from us, but we're going to do our best anyway. Yeah, I was really drunk last time. In other words, we tell you things you didn't know you needed to know. I would ask you how your week is, but I just saw you a few days ago. Well, since the last time we recorded, I had a great time hanging out with my pal Marissa. (laughs) You're right. Okay, tell us all about it. Oh, well, we got to watch the the Fire Festival documentary. We saw the Netflix one, not the Hulu one. Oh, of course. The one that's that poor man is being screenshotted all over Twitter. Which poor man? The man who would perform fellatio for tanks of water. Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. So that guy's everywhere. But he didn't perform fellatio. Right, but would. And that's... That's the part that they're screenshotting. <laughs> Wait, how do we know he would? He said he would? He says, I was fully prepared. <laughs> oh, you're right. I forgot. Okay, continue. Uh, what else? We, went to, we, we drank for like a whole day. But in the midst of that, I also got a delicious sandwich that I greatly enjoyed, which had grilled chicken, bacon, apples, and I feel like something else that I can't remember. We ate really good pizza, you know. Yeah. So my week is the same because I was with him. Um, <laughs> I still have a hangover from when we drank from like 1.30 p.m. to like 11 p.m. <laughs> on Saturday. Yeah. And I threw up. Uh, that doesn't mean you're old. <laughs> but I had a really fun time. No, I was telling somebody, I don't know, I think it was, not Pete, that I'm old so I, you know, I get sick a little longer, but... I threw up discreetly. I threw up, I put air freshener, I cleaned up my vomit, and I didn't stay laying on the floor. Pete didn't even know I threw up. So you know what? That's what growing up is. That's how you know you're older. <laughs> yes. Because <laughs> I chose to throw up. Because <laughs> otherwise I was going to feel salami in my stomach forever. Wow, that was a really fun How was my week. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I've Here's a good one. If you were a city, what city would you be and no. why? No, I already decided. I know. I've been watching a lot of Real Housewives for the last two days. And at the beginning of every episode, every character has her own tagline. Like, oops, I'm sorry. You can hear my computer. Like, the one lady is like, sorry. It's a symphony. <laughs> like, I love luxury. And luxury loves me. Oh, that's what you mean? like, I was like, if you can't handle the truth, that's not my problem. Like, stuff like that. Like, that's going to, like, sum up their art. Uh-oh. So, Pete, if you were in a reality show, what would your tagline be? I didn't be? know that's what you meant. 
What did you think I meant? I thought you meant like, like, like the, cool the, one. the one line. Yeah, like that thing. No, but, you not need to like, be like a, the cool one. Not that short, but no, you need to be like, what would be your tagline? Like, this is gonna define what I bring to the table. <laughs> what about you, Marissa? I didn't. This isn't something I thought of because I had an answer ready, but I thought of one like in the last section. It'd be like Marissa, and I would say. You think I'm overwhelming? Oh, I'll show you overwhelming. <laughs> that would be my tagline. I like it. I like it. I tend to think of myself as more of a heat of the moment kind of guy. So I don't know. All I'm coming up with now is sort of related to an incident at work today where it's like, can we all just chill out a little bit? <laughs> which, I like which, that. Here's the thing. You have to understand. Me saying, can we all chill out a little bit can sometimes be super funny because I'm freaking out the most. So I feel like, you know, it's going to be like a little bit deeper than just the words. I accept what you gave me, but just so you know, I already chose, I like to think of myself as a little bit of the heat of the moment kind of guy. Like you said (laughs) that and that became your tagline. (laughs) Okay. So that was your fault for saying that. (laughs) I tend to think of myself as a heat of the moment kind of guy. So let's turn it up. (laughs) Ew. (laughs) The heat. Ew. Pete Phillips would be your nickname. Yep. And my nickname would be Turbulent. Yep. Okay. (laughs) Speaking of turbulence. Turbulence. (laughs) I'm sorry. I always steal the first round. Is it okay? You're perfectly fine to do so. Thank you. One day I won't be sleepy and sick, and I'll let you go first. (laughs) Hey, guys, if you want me to go first every week, call us at 570-POD-WOD1. Or write Pete in your iTunes review. If you want Marissa to go first, write Marissa. Or slide into my DMs and go, can you just let Pete go first for once? <laughs> so, I decided to talk about gang stalking. If you heard my last episode, our last episode, I mentioned it a few times and Pete didn't know what it was. Nope. I would go so far as to guess that Pete does know what it is, but either he doesn't give it a title. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. I think that's what it is. But the thing is, like, it's a thing that I feel like we all might know about already. But you may not know that there's, like, a cohesive movement. So allow me to tell you about gangs. I might ask you if you know what the word cohesive means later. Like, uh, what do you like, uh, shut up, fuck you. Okay. Maybe not cohesive. A, a movement. Like a, evidently, it's recognized. Yeah, And uh, enough enough to have its own term. So all of my information came from a New York Times story, not Wikipedia. I want you all to know. All of mine came from Wikipedia for this week. (laughs) Do I know the name of the article I read? No. I was going to cut and paste it, then I closed the window, and I was like, if you really want to know, just Google gang stuff using the New York Times. (laughs) It was on the first Google page anyway. But, so I'm going to start. I do not have a personal story about gang stuff. You think that. I'm going to start by reading part of the lead from the New York Times story because it kind of sets the stage. Nobody believed him. His family told him to get help. But Timothy Trespass, an out-of-work recording engineer in his early 40s, was sure he was being stalked. And not just by one person, but by dozens of them. He would see the operatives, he said, disguised as ordinary people lurking around his midtown Manhattan neighborhood. Sometimes they bumped into him and whispered nonsense into his ear, he said. Nope. Nope. Now you see how it works, they would say. At first, Mr. Trespass wondered if it was all in his head. Then he encountered a large community of like-minded people on the Internet 
who call Ooh. themselves, quote, targeted individuals, or TIs, who describe going Incel. to... <laughs> precisely the same thing. So, what exactly is gang stalking? So, there are select people who claim to be victims of a gigantic conspiracy to harass thousands of everyday Americans with mind control weapons and armies of so-called gang stalkers. And it's government funded, words, right? That is a theory. Yes. So in other words, you're being stalked by a whole gang of individuals. And the goal, as one gang stalking website puts it, is to destroy every aspect of a targeted individual's life. So the group of people that claim to be stalked, tell you a little bit more about the community. The community is estimated to be more than 10,000 people and has grown a lot since 9-11. And generally the community has increased surrounding like the internet and and generally more people being concerned about government surveillance, like I said, post 9-11. Now, psychiatrists say that a large number of people who claim to be gang stalked appear to have a delusional disorder or schizophrenia. I mean, obviously, targeted individuals would dispute that. People who <laughs> have claimed to be gang stalked go, come from all classes and professions. Uh, there are lawyers, soldiers, artists, engineers that claim to be gang stalked. Um, there are even doctors that claim to be gang stalked. Um, and there are a lot of Facebook forums and call-in support groups, apparently, where victims share stories of, for instance, maybe like black vans that circle their house constantly throughout the day. Or maybe they notice that even their coworkers have been pulled into this gang-stalking campaign. Um, the thing that I find interesting is that almost nobody has researched it, and people research dumber things. So I'm surprised there hasn't really been any. There's someone named Dr. Lorraine Sheridan, who is co-author of... As of the time this article was written... 1975. No, 2016. So as of 2016, there only seemed to be like one academic paper on gang stalking. Could that possibly be because some people are just like, it's just paranoia? I guess so, but the fact that it's like a united front of people who say they have very similar experiences, like, it could just be paranoia that's spread, but I think the fact that there's so many people claiming to have similar experiences is worth looking into. Okay. The same with people study alien abductions. Yeah. Like, not necessarily to say, like, is this a real thing, but to be like, where is this coming from? I know a lot of people be schizophrenic, but it doesn't manifest in the same way. Anyway, there are a few specialists who have looked at this and kind of tried to do some studies. Um, and from what those specialists say, uh, most of these individuals have a history of mental illness. Then it's basically gang stalking in the whole community, as they say, is just thousands of sick people banding together and demanding recognition on a shared basis of paranoia. Gang-stalking victims self-publish lots of e-books, which no. should come as no surprise. <laughs> um, and there's hundreds of YouTube videos that offer testimonials and try to document evidence of their stalking, uh, sometimes confronting strangers and accusing them of gang-stalking. Gang-stalking victims sometimes come together to hold awareness campaigns uh, there was an international conference in Berlin in 2016 called the Covert Harassment Conference. And there have been some gang-stalking-related cases. That, that is odd that there's, like, a whole conference and nobody has bothered to, like, look yeah. into this as a trend. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. So there was a notable case that was linked. But it's interesting because it seemed that the 
basis of the case was mostly focused on one individual, not a whole bunch of individuals. So it didn't seem like textbook gang stalking to me. But one such cited example um, is in 2008, James Walbert was a man who went to court to stop his former business associate from blasting him with mind-altering electromagnetic radiation. Walbert told the Sedgwick County Police uh, that Jeremiah Redford threatened him with, quote, jolts of radiation after a disagreement over a business deal. Uh, later, Walbert said he began feeling electric shock sensations, hearing electronic tones in his ears, and getting lots of popping and ringing in his ears. Um, um. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Crazily, uh, the court decided in his favor and issued a first-of-its-kind order of protection banning Redford from using electronic means to harass Walbert. That's interesting to me. Yeah. So, around the internet, like I said, there's a whole bunch of forums and there's a lot of, like, informational, like, sources just to, like, help you if you feel like you're being gang-stalked. And in one instructional track online, a veteran victim explains to newbies that some of the tips are, do not engage with the voices in your head. Okay. If your relatives tell you you're imagining things, they too could be gang stalking you. Part of the campaign. Yes. And do not visit a psychiatrist. Oh, wonderful tips. <laughs> okay. Um, so there's like a mix of conspiracy theories as to why targeted individuals think they're being targeted. Some believe that the financial elite are doing this um, to us poor people, that the higher-ups and the powerful are doing it. Others blame aliens and, of course, the Freemasons. Freaking Freemasons, man. <laughs> Duh. Um, the most prominent voices in the community uh, believe that the surveillance is part of a mind-control field test done in preparation of global domination. Uh, as the theory goes, do you remember MKUltra, Pete? I'm sorry? MKUltra, we've talked about Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought you said yeah. MPUltra P. And I'm like, no. is that a study of science? <laughs> so they think that it might actually still be linked to MKUltra, uh, which was the CIA's uh, infamous uh, mind control program in the 50s and 60s. So a leading proponent of this whole government mind control global condomination, <laughs> global domination theory is a San Antonio anesthesiologist named something, but my computer messed up. Give me a second. No, I'm okay. telling you. It's Kanye. It's a, no, it's a San Antonio anesthesiologist named John Hall. Uh, he wrote a book in 2009 called A New Breed, colon, Satellite Terrorism in America. And he gave his own account of being gang-stalked. Some of the things that they did, he claims, is gang-stalking agents bleached his water and bombarded him with voices making murderous threats. The book was actually pretty, I mean, popular in a relative sense, uh, <laughs> because this was a licensed, you know, member of the medical community writing this book, basically telling people not to trust psychiatrists. And... Do you know that show Coast to Coast AM, that, like, conspiracy yes. show? So he talked on Coast to Coast, and after that, apparently, like, thousands of emails came pouring in with everyone being like, it's happening to me, too, all over the country. And it was, like, this, this like, sea of people being like, I understand I'm being gang-stalked. Right. And he basically says, from the many people we've talked to, he doesn't agree what psychi with, with psychiatrists who say it's schizophrenia or delusional <laughs> disorder 
because all of these victims have the same story. But do they? No, I was going to say you don't. It's kind of like an alien abduction. There's like a lot of similarities. Yeah, exactly. But it's Uh, if everybody was like, that dude over there, he's part of the group that's gang stalking me. Like, then I would be like, oh, well, there's a common link. One of the gang stalkers. I agree. While Dr. Paul has faced scrutiny over all this nonsense, um, crazily, he did not lose his medical license, but generally people who are being gang stalked lose their jobs. Then there was, I read a little bit about sad stories about people who were gang stalked and kind of reached their limit and ended up killing people. It's not like a prevalent situation, but I read two cases and you can watch on YouTube the last like farewell video of someone who was being gang stalked and in it he talks, he, he talks about everything he's experienced and then he kind of like leaves cryptically like the message and then he shot three people in a library and had the police shoot him it was really sad right it was it was ugh. anyway i don't want to focus on that part so what's the deal with this because i assume pete does not believe excuse me that people are being exhausted i see in his eyes i'm um, not sure that you do <laughs> susan clancy who is a harvard trained psychologist who has researched not so much gang stalking, but has done a lot of focus on uh, alien abduction. But says that these two can share some similarities yeah. in like, the motivations. She says it can be extremely difficult to dissuade patients who have latched onto beliefs that they think explain what they're seeing. She says, I think it's a need for meaning and a need to understand your life and the problems you're having. You're not some meaningless nobody. You're being followed by the CIA. Makes sense. So it like, makes you more important. It makes your life more worth living. She basically thinks like it might not be that they do that on purpose, but it's kind of them reframing their life. A Black Mirror moment. Don't we all want to be gang stalked? Social media. <laughs> Funny. I am going to do my trademark where I don't have an ending. <laughs> you like that, guys? Are you being gang stuffed or am I being gang stuffed? Think about it. That's my ending. Pete, what are your thoughts? Any questions? Not exactly. I'm inclined to agree with the whole thing where it's just like these are people who have paranoid delusions and it just so happens that if tens of thousands of people had a horse talking to them, would that be I a mean, thing? I like to think some people are being gang because it makes the world more messy. Right. And the other thing is like, in terms of surveillance and stuff like that, you see this depicted in movies a lot where it's like one one cop is following the car and the person makes a right at the intersection and so they don't get caught, another car picks them up, like another yeah. cop car and follows them. And so like the theory of gang stalking kinda holds up if the way that we see, you know, surveillance depicted in, in movies and media. So I don't think it's that far off. But I do, I do seem to have at least like a slight problem with anybody who thinks that somebody cares that much about them. And by somebody, I mean somebody they don't know. Not like my 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 child cares about me so much they keep stalking me. You don't believe that the world is full of magic. No, 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 I do. But that's not magical. Gang stalking is a form of magic manifesting. Gang stalking by shapeshifters. Now that. We can I mean, talk sure. about. I mean, but if those 
those doing the gang stalking are the financial elite and or the Freemasons and or aliens and or the government possibly, it is very possible that they are reptilian aliens. So yeah. it's a full circle. Just want you, I just want you to know that in case you're ever looking at that. <laughs> Marissa, do you ever think you're being gang stalked? No. Marissa, do you ever wish you were gang stalked? Could be voices in my head and people whispering to me? No. It was yeah. gonna just be like it was gonna be people like driving by periodically and looking at me. That might make my day interesting for a little while. I was gonna while. say I could imagine you being so happy with your life if people randomly bumped into you and said gibberish. <laughs> ah! Not specifically the quote that you pulled out when you mentioned that before, but if somebody like bumped into you and they were like banana muffin and then they just turned around and walked away, I think you'd be like, Oh my god, Pete, listen to what somebody said to me today. <laughs> I mean, that is very possible. But for some reason I don't find gang stalking like a fun <laughs> fun. But who knows? Who it's knows? like one of those it's like one of those uh services that rich people pay for, like your haunted house episode. Like some thrilling oh, yeah, experience right. to be oh, man, to be gang that. stalked. That was great. I totally forgot about that. <laughs> so speaking of gang stalking, okay. this is a really loose one, but I'm gonna talk about. Hear me out. The first movie star. Okay. Calm down, Marissa. <laughs> okay. Now, if you haven't been paying attention, Marissa and I have been unapologetically doing mismatch episodes. Mostly it's because we're a little out of sync with each other right now. Yeah, that's okay. No one's like clamoring for us to do linked ones. After we did a bunch of split episodes, we started to like sort of forget that we that we could, not have to, but that we could have linked topics. So this week, I really wanted to talk about somebody because this episode is coming out on February 1st of 2019, which begins Women's History Month. When is Women's History Month? February. Uh, whatever. I mean, I hope. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for mansplaining it to me. (laughs) Black History Month is in February. Women's History Month is in March. Sorry. Uh, okay. 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 <laughs> I wanted to tell you about a woman named Florence Lawrence, who is a personal hero of mine. And as I read more and more about her, I was like, oh my gosh, I love this lady. Oh my gosh, I love this lady more. Oh my gosh. I'm sorry, her name is Florence Lawrence. Florence? Lawrence. Yes. Okay, interesting. <laughs> it should be noted that I am working off of a Wikipedia article and that I have to scroll because um, because of the weather, my thumbs are all, like, beaten up, so I can't type correctly. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so I have to work off a Wikipedia article that I copy and paste stuff from. But her, she was born Florence Annie Brigwood, January 2nd, 1886, in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. So she's Canadian. That's one thing. She is often That makes re- you like her more? No, not really. Uh, <laughs> but she is referred to as the first movie star and the first film actor to be named publicly. Okay. I don't know if I don't know y'all heard about this. In cinema's formative years, silent screen actors were not named like in credits because Ooh, studio Studio owners feared that fame might lead them to more demands for higher wages, and so they just didn't give people names. And so this woman was in 300 films in her life, and she wasn't credited for most of them because that's just the way that it was. But she was, if I'm not mistaken, the first person to be outed as a film actor. I read somewhere else that some people thought that film acting was like cheap and that stage acting was more genuine. And so I could believe that. In order to keep 
getting stage jobs if you were in a movie you didn't want your name to be attached to it because, you know, it sort of cheapened your talent. Anyway, yeah. in 1906, she was hired to play Daniel Boone's daughter in Daniel Boone pioneer days in america and the only reason she got the part well i mean she had a little bit of acting experience and and she was raised in the sort of uh in the in the arts and in drama but she mostly got the part because she knew how to ride a horse she got a part and her mother got a part and each were paid five dollars a day to work for two weeks outdoor and it was freezing most days she did 60 more films with this company called biograph and in a lot of places, she is dubbed as the Biograph Girl. But there's actually another art, uh, another actress that has the same sort of nickname. So there's actually a musical done about the other one, who I think, if I'm not mistaken, is named Mary Perkins. But okay. then there's this woman, too, whose life, by the way, I don't know much about Mary Perkins, but this woman who I'm about to tell Florence Lawrence, her life is freaking crazy. <laughs> so, I feel like all the actors and actresses back then like, were really crazy. They must have been. I don't, I don't know, but I'm going to get to why I like Florence Lawrence the most. And so far, we haven't even scraped the surface. Okay. <laughs> so she was in like a bunch of movies for this one company. And then she sort of hooked up with a guy, like a director. And the director was like, let's start our own company. You but mean before- they connected or are they sexually hooked up? Oh, they, that, thank you. They got married. Okay. <laughs> and so like she had this thing going for a little while. But in... March of 1910, when she left Biograph, the studio that she did about 60 movies with, and she was going to another one, which was shortened to IMP, I forget. It's like independent movie productions or something like that. So there's this guy who runs independent movie, moving pictures or whatever it's called, IMP. Uh, I don't know how to say his name. I feel really bad about that, but it's L-A-E. Try to say it. I want to hear it. Here's, I'm going to tell you first so we can both try. L-A-E-M-M-L-E. Lemley. That's Lem- his first name Lemley. or first? That's his last name. Yeah, Lemley. So, Lemley. <laughs> I'm not really sure if that's it. Shut up. Uh, maybe it's a silent second L and it's Lemley. like Lemley. Lemley. So this is what happens. Cut that she, out. <laughs> she, leaves, she leaves one company and then she's going to start working at another company. But here's the way that it happened. Uh, her husband was like looking for other work, like trying to make more money, you know, get some other, and back then it was a little different. Uh, and so what happened was the studio had caught, got word that her husband was looking for new work. And so he fired both of them. Oh. Then the guy who runs the new studio that they're going to spreads a rumor that Lawrence Florence died in a car accident. Why? Why? And then, <laughs> What's the after, point of that? after the rumor catches on, they start to put out advertisements that she's going to be in their next picture. And so oh. people are like, oh my God, she's not dead. We have to go see her next movie. That's weird, Pete. It is weird. But if you think about it, it's kind of not too weird based on the stunts that celebrities pull today in order to try to get attention for things. No, I'm fake their death. I don't know how complicit she was in this, but okay. what happens is they schedule her to make a personal appearance in St. Louis, Missouri in March of 1910 uh, with the leading man in the movie. So she goes out to St. Louis and the fans were so excited to see her and to learn that she was not dead that they rushed her in a frenzy and tore her clothes off. I mean, so, that sounds about right. A if lot of times people will credit this to the start of the star system 
where you could put somebody on such a pedestal and sort of just make money by putting a person in a movie, even if the movie was sort of like a pile of garbage. Oh, cool. That's fun. And eventually Florence Lawrence, not because it's so alliterative, but she does become a household name. Her fame, though, also proved what studio executives feared, which is that if someone becomes more famous, they will make more demands for money. Yeah, no um, shit, bitch! So Florence Lawrence used to get paid on a daily basis. So if you work Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, you get paid for three days. She pushed to get paid on a weekly basis so that no matter how many days she worked that week, she got paid the same amount of money, which led her to getting paid for seven days, not just three days, or maybe like five days, not just three days. So she actually did start to make more money. And again, people wanted her uh, in their movies so bad, so they would pay it. Yeah. Not only this, but there was a movie that she was in in 1915 called Pawns of Destiny. In this particular movie, there's supposed to be a fire that takes place. And she was playing in a scene with Matt Moore, co-star, in which they were to be oh, rescued... I in which they were to be rescued from a burning building. In the filming of the scene, they were trapped. Miss Lawrence could have jumped to immediate safety, but chose instead to go back into the flames and aid more. Matt Moore, not just aid more people. I'm sorry, <laughs> is this real or in the movie? It's real. Oh. Both of them were burned, and Lawrence suffered an injured back and scars. She actually fell during this thing, and I think this might be the first time she starts to have spinal cord issues. Oh, no! Yeah, so she suffered a serious fall, that's right, I have the details now, which fractured her spine. She went into shock for months, she returned to work, but she collapsed after the film was complete. Basically, her husband talked her into doing this scene, so she goes, that's it, we're going to get divorced. Oh. <laughs> What's worse is the studio that she was working for at the time refused to pay her medical bills, and so she felt a little betrayed, but she also had a bunch of money, so she was able to sort of pay for stuff and, you know, that sort of thing. Couldn't she just sue them? I don't think that was sort of a thing that you could get away with back then. I guess. But the strain... So she tries to come back to movies, uh, but the strain on her body is so big that actually one time she suffered a relapse and she was completely paralyzed because of her spinal problems uh, for four straight months. So I think after that she was like, yeah, I'm not going to do this anymore. Yeah. I still didn't get to the part that makes what? me love Florence Lawrence. <laughs> like her but like yeah i don't you're still only gonna like her by the end of this but here's here's some more stuff so okay? does this presentation say more about you than it says about Florence? oh it Lawrence? says a lot about me <laughs> <laughs> so she was married three times she had no kids her first marriage was to the guy that i talked about already his name is harry salter in 1908 they remained married until oh yeah i'm sorry i guess it's worth mentioning that she says she wants to divorce him after this uh fire incident that takes place but he is also very theatrical and dramatic and he um basically like wins her back or something like that and ultimately he dies how um, trying to win her back just dies you know, oh, oh, i didn't really do a lot of research on back. him no not not that so le next, she marries an automobile salesman named oh, Charles. Oh, God, I don't know why I thought the word salesman wasn't going to come after that. She married an automobile. And that, that is why I love Florence Lawrence. <laughs> the first woman to marry a car. <laughs> so she marries Charles Wood, uh, Charles Byrne Woodring in 1921. They separate in 1929. And what I love about this is that, again, thinking about the time period in, this, in which this is taking place in the 20s, it's not 
generally common that a woman is granted a divorce or like a woman can file for the divorce. Can you remind particular- me what year this is again? I missed. Uh, this is 1929 when it's happening. Oh, shit. Yeah, no way. Um, and basically, she's like, I paid for most of... So this guy ran a car business, uh, but he also had a cosmetics business. And she sort of was the seed money to start the cosmetics business. Yeah. And then he just sort of disappeared. <laughs> Like, literally? (laughs) Not literally disappears, but he just sort of... Basically, the reason that she won the divorce is under the sort of theory of abandonment. He sort of just left her. And what I love about this is that normally, back in in these days, if the man and woman split, maybe the woman wouldn't get as much. She was granted half of all of his things you know, oh. that, that they sort of got out of the partnership. And so I thought that was also pretty Good. interesting. Okay. In 1933, she marries uh, somebody for the third time. This is Henry Bolton. And Henry Bolton turns out to be an abusive a-hole. And he beats her. And then she also divorces him later on. How old is she by her third marriage? It's 1933. And she was born in 1886. Okay. So she is 40? I don't know, man. Maybe. Some, okay. Somewhere in her 40s. They were only married for five months, so... Are you going to tell me when it's the part that makes you love her? I'm, I'm there. The Besides her you... film career, okay. Florence Lawrence is credited with designing the first auto-signaling arm, a predecessor to the modern turn signal. Uh-oh! Yeah, guys. Pete is really big on his turn signals. <laughs> <laughs> so, I get it now. I get it. Along with the first mechanical brake signal. So, when you hit on the brakes... You know how the lights go on in the back. It wasn't necessarily that the lights went on in the back, but it indicated that you were pushing on the brakes. There are a couple stories about like old-timey movie actresses inventing crazy things, that really was... useful things. This is sort of tied into her marrying the automobile salesman because she just loved cars. And, That's uh, cool. And again, back at, in these days, it wasn't common that a woman was allowed to drive a car. But yeah, she yeah. did, and not only did she drive the cars, but she like knew all these things about them, and there's pictures of her like with cars and driving cars and all sorts of stuff, and it's just really cool, I thought. As you may imagine, she did not patent these inventions, and as a result, she received no credit <laughs> um, or profit from either of those two inventions. So, so nobody got money, or did like a man take the credit? Well, you know, a company is like, hey, that turn signal looks good. Let's put them on our cars, well, and then the company. Good. <laughs> and then the company sells more cars because they're safer. So theoretically, you know, the company makes more money. But no, it's not like somebody said, "Oh, that's my invention. I'm going to take credit for it." Got it was it. just that, you know, kind of like Ben Franklin with like uh, one of his one of his stoves or something. He was just like, yeah, you know, you know what? we all know that. <laughs> I don't know why I remember something like that ben from school. Franklin and his stoves. You know, old old Benny and his stove. <laughs> After this and her injuries and everything like that, uh, by the way, I sort of just dropped the car thing at the end there. It happened sort of in the middle of her story. But um, after the whole fire thing... When did her drug addiction take place? Because that always has a thing with those old-timey stars. It's interesting that you sort of mention that because... I don't think that it's. I don't think that she was addicted to drugs. Really, I think okay. if she was, if she was alive today, she would definitely be on opioids because her problem was that she suffered from pain constantly because of this fall. Yeah, it was a different totally. time. There really wasn't a great way to sort of 
heal this thing. And also there was the rise of talkies and everything like that. And so she was getting bit parts and things like that, but she wasn't the star up front. In mid-1937, Lawrence was diagnosed with what her doctor described as, quote, a bone disease which produces anemia and depression. There are some theories as to what it was, but due to her poor health and chronic pain, she became depressed, but she attempted to keep working. What are are the theories that it would be like in today's medicine? I really don't know how to say a lot of them, but like some suggest a rare bone marrow disease. Some suggest something called myelofibrosis. And another one is agnogenic myeloid metaplasia. Okay. Go to to Wikipedia, guy. I don't know why I asked. Those all have links if you want to find out more about them. But again, I don't have thumbs today. So <laughs> after that, in ni- she, so she dies in t- December on December 28th in 1938. You may recall that I just told you in mid-1937 she was diagnosed with this, this disease. About uh-huh. a year later, year and a half later, she dies. She dies because she eats cough syrup and ant paste in her home. The so fuck she ant paste? Paste that you would put down to catch ants. Oh, oh, I thought it was of ants. Okay, all right. I'll let you go on that one. Okay. (laughs) Her death was ruled a probable suicide, attributing that to her ill health. She lived with a sort of like housemate named Robert uh, Brinlow and his sister. She left... uh, Was she that poor? No, I think it was just like, you know, living in West Hollywood. She wasn't making a ton of money. It wasn't like she was poor, but like living in Hollywood... These were basically like roommates, housemates. Yeah, okay. She left a sad, brief suicide note. And after her death, the motion picture and television fund paid for her funeral, which was held on December 30th, and for her unmarked grave in the Hollywood Cemetery. Her grave remained unmarked until 1991 when a British actor who chose to remain anonymous paid for a memorial marker for Lawrence, which reads, The Biograph Girl slash The First Movie Star. Aww. This is why I think you might love Florence Lawrence, Marissa. As a parting note, the date of birth on Lawrence's headstone is given as 1890. But as I told you earlier, she was actually born in 1886. Okay. This inaccuracy was also stated on her death certificate, which was filled out by the coroner. Lawrence's biographer, Kelly R. Brown, owed the mistake to Lawrence's own brand of fiction as she routinely subtracted years off of her age. Oh, wow. (laughs) And so that is a story about Florence Lawrence. There is a book which is called The Biograph Girl, which is mentioned right there at the end, uh, the book that's done by Kelly R. Brown. But I thought this was interesting, too, and I thought this was really sweet and cute and tender. In 2000, a guy named William J. Mann wrote a novel called The Biograph Girl, and he basically takes facts from Lawrence's life and he blends it with fiction in a story in which she actually faked her death And then this journalist, you know, first-person journalist sort of meets her at a nursing home and decides to write her biography and sort of bring her back into, you know, the public eye. And so that's kind of a a sweet way to finish up the Wikipedia article. (laughs) But it also lists... She's a cute woman. I'm looking at a picture of her right now. It lists so many movies that she was in. And it's crazy because back in these early days, they did one reel films, which are shorts for all intents and purposes, but there's just so many of them, and it's crazy that somebody could be in that many movies. Were mo- movies were shorter, though, right? I'm finding a number of them are about 15 minutes long. 
Oh, wow. Okay. That would explain it. Of course, the whole reason that I discovered Florence Lawrence is because one day I wanted to pay tribute to the person who invented the turn signal because turn signals are so important, guys. And it's no sweat off your back to actually use one. In fact, if you don't use one, you're probably the biggest asshole in the world. <laughs> the biggest. Oh, some people who I really like in Philadelphia don't use turn signals like ever. My uncle doesn't. Ever. Is it he a changes point of lanes. Like, is it he, like a point he makes? He just doesn't. It's almost like he didn't, like, when he learned how to drive a car, nobody showed him it was there. I'll give him a pass if that's the case. <laughs> totally. No, otherwise, no. Our next episode is going to be our Valentine's Day episode. Oh, why don't we talk about that? <laughs> and so uh, we hope that you stay tuned for that. By the way, I was looking something up while we were talking at one point, and I saw the headline, Why are gender reveal lasagnas and <laughs> <laughs> so you might like to know that everybody yeah i don't by the way if someone i know has a general reveal party i will not go that's mm. unrelated to anything but i just want everyone to know i'll go for the cake but like to mine is oh, to, I eat, have to cake. eat cake i'm gonna eat it now sorry <laughs> he made me a cake jealous oh <laughs> he can't see my face it must be weird it is yeah i'm sorry i miss it but also your audio is still sort of like cut out at certain times, so oh, maybe great. you should just bring the video great. back anyway. It's time for plugs. It's time for plugs. Uh, Marissa, do you have anything to plug? You go first. Maybe I'll have something by the time you say that. I don't want to plug uh, Escape Room, the movie. Okay, then don't. I also don't want to plug the movie The Hum. In case you were interested and you were like, oh, I want to know more about The Hum. So you went on Amazon and you Googled or you searched for The Hum. There is a movie called The Hum. It was done only four years ago. And it's really bad because the whole entire movie, you should be hearing a hum. It's like the main character hears the hum, but you don't hear a hum. So you don't really like empathize with him at all. As I don't plug Escape Room, it might be the most forgettable movie that I'm going to see this year. But I don't regret going to see it. Because it did look like it was designed for me. But I'll tell you this much, just in case you're wondering, and just in case it's going to motivate you whether or not you're going to spend money to see this movie, they don't tell you who's behind the escape room, okay? I just want everybody to be clear. They're not going to tell you. So if you're watching to have the mystery solved, just don't watch it. Okay. Marissa, what do you got? The new season of Riverdale. No, not the new season. Mid-season Riverdale's back. I want everyone to watch that. Thank God. And also... <laughs> I don't need to plug out anything. No, we want to plug our show. Y'all heard. Thanks for listening. You already listened to it. Hope you liked it. <laughs> yeah. Bye. <laughs>